album. I want to speak today about the precious treasures we have in God. Now, I'm going to try PowerPoint today. I'm not an expert at this, but they tell me I must move forward. <laughs> this looks like moving. Anyway, let's leave it at that. We're speaking today about, there we go. I want to speak today about the precious treasures we have in God. And it works. And I've been really encouraged as I have read about this, as I've researched it, and as I believe it's becoming a reality for me in my life. And I'm trusting the same will be true for you. Now, when I was growing up as a little boy, I loved to collect things. They call it the, the squirreling syndrome because you squirrel things away into this area, into that area, and I would collect things. And if people wanted to give me things, all the better. I had a 60 square meter bedroom. And I had lots of space. And I would store things and whatnot and whatnot. But before, as I was growing up and this developed, in those days that we used to get a magazine, I suppose it's much like the U or the, I think it was called the Personality or something. And in the middle, there was, a, for a series of issues, there were posters that you could pull out of all the celebrities. And this is, you know, long, long ago when I was maybe 11 or 12 and... Um, and these celebrity pullouts were something I loved to collect. And for those of you who were there way back then, there was a program called WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> and they were the most amazing moral examples on this program. People like Venus Flytrap. People like Loney Anderson. And out of this magazine came a series of these pullouts. And I was so intrigued. You see, I think perhaps radio was already in my blood way back then. So when this radio station and all these people in the radio station, I mean, remember the one chap, he was so dim, and he would always be drinking coffee. And I want to tell you, coffee in a radio station is a reality. And um, if they didn't have coffee, I don't think the little sense they say would be much sense at all. But anyway, we had, yeah, I had all these posters. And I would collect all these posters out of this, this magazine. And I would put the posters up and fold them up and pack them away and take them out and tantalize my brothers and cause fights and irritate everybody. And, and um, one day it got just too much for my father. He had it up to here. He didn't want to see Loney Anderson again. <laughs> Nor Venus Flytrap or any of these other people. And it was causing fights because who would get to the magazine first? And in our house, we never had magazines. It was almost, I mean, television even came late to our house. We would go to my grandfather's house to watch television. And my grandfather, you know, he, he had this devil's tail sticking out on the top of his house to get the reception. But we didn't have that. But we would go and watch. And we would, you know, it was a strange thing. And I was collecting these things. And they became precious things to me. And one day my father realized that 
This was now beyond verbae. And in a moment of, I don't know what it was, he told me that it was finished with these things that had become a, perhaps a bit of an idol in my life. And he destroyed them. And um, I can go for inner, inner healing afterwards. <laughs> but my father had enough. And I can still remember him saying to me, you must never allow this kind of rubbish to become what's precious to you. And I never collected those pull-outs again. But I did collect lots of other things. <laughs> and uh, eventually when I got married, my wife helped me throw a lot of them away. We have precious treasure. And as Christians, we have many precious treasures. And please don't allow the things of the world to become of greater value to you than God and His Word. Always remember what is truly valuable and what is not. And earthly treasure does not last, it cannot be taken with us, but the precious treasure that God has placed within us is enduring. No one can take it from us. And uh, the question you have to ask yourself is, what are these precious treasures? And what is precious to you? Let's look at the scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. You can just look up. If you want to turn, you're welcome to do that. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Just this one verse where it mentions this term, precious treasure. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, this precious treasure, the New Living Bible adds, this light and power that now shine within us. The Amplified Bible speaks about the gospel this light and power that shines within us is held in perishable containers in our weak bodies so that everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and it's not our own. And so, as a Christian, as a born-again child of God, there is a treasure inside of you. That's why you must be careful how you deal with people. Be very careful how you treat people. The question today is, what is precious treasure? Well, I was thinking about this aspect of precious treasure, and it's made up of two words. Precious, the word means something of great value, or that has a high price, and treasure. And that word means a collection of precious things. That's why when you, in the early days when we used to watch the the people, the pirates, they would find treasure chests. There would be chests of treasure. So it's, treasure is also a store of wealth, or having great value, considered rare and precious. And for an example, I want to ask you, have you ever heard of the great star of Africa? Now, you, you are sitting on Africa. You come from Africa. Do you not know what is the great star of Africa? I heard it somewhere. It's a diamond. It is the largest polished diamond cut from the largest diamond ever found. Do you have any idea how big the original diamond was? 
Pardon? Three? No. Three thousand. One hundred and six point seven five. When I searched it on the internet, I discovered that it just looked like another stone or another rock. But the great star of Africa was cut out of this Cullinan diamond. Now, Cullinan, I went and looked on Google Earth, and I measured it from here to there as the crow flies. You are sitting 28 kilometers as the crow flies from the spot where this enormous diamond was found. It makes me wonder what else could be beneath us. <laughs> but they cut this diamond out. It's called the Great Star of Africa. It is not the biggest diamond. There is one that's bigger than this. But it is 530.2 carats. Its estimated value is $400 million. It is mounted in the head of the scepter with the cross. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. It is stored in a fortress called the Tower of London. Now, your, your question may be today, well, what is the fuss over this piece of stone? Well, the truth is it is precious. It is special. It is rare. That's what's special about it. That is a picture of it doesn't look much when you see it like that, but when you see it inside the scepter, you can see that it is a huge diamond, and it's very interesting that it is mounted in the head of the scepter with a cross, and it symbolizes something. It symbolizes the temporary authority of the monarch under the cross. Isn't that amazing? The temporary authority of the monarch under the cross. What is the permanent thing? The cross. The monarchy is not the permanent thing. The monarch is not the person. The cross. It's a very interesting dynamic, this. Anyway, just to let you know, that diamond can be removed from that scepter, and it has a special brooch attachment that you can wear as a brooch. Do any of you know who the owner? Queen Elizabeth II is the owner of those jewels that you see in front of you. But there's a funny thing about it. When she dies, she can't take it with her. When she dies, she has no alternative but to leave it behind. She can do whatever she likes, but it will go to her son if he should outlive her, which looks... <laughs> what are you laughing <laughs> Earthly, earthly treasures we cannot take with us. They may be beautiful, they may be valuable and precious, but we can't take them with us. It's those heavenly treasures that God has given us that we can take with us. 
And that's what we want to speak about today. There are six precious treasures that you and I have that we, I believe, can focus on and we can understand a little bit more. What are these precious treasures? The first thing is the precious life of God in us. And when we are born again, the, the life of God begins to live within us. And that's that scripture we started off with. It says this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us, is held within perishable containers. It's in these weak earthen vessels so that everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and not of our own. The Amplified Bible says we possess this precious treasure. That word possess speaks of ownership. This building we have purchased. Technically, we own it. But we are only taking possession of it at the end of the year. And only then will we possess it. And only then will the ownership be practically ours. And I believe there's this treasure that God has that we need to take cognizance of and we need to realize it. And why is the life of God in us precious? Well, because something of the eternal is found in something that is temporary. That's precious. Something of the eternal is found in us who are temporary, weak vessels, earthen vessels. The life of God in us is precious, is a precious treasure because others can see it. Remember that scripture? It said this precious treasure, this light and power that is now shining within us, is held in perishable containers so that everyone can see. That's what's precious about the life of God in us. People can see it, and people should be able to see that the life of God is in you. If people were to be given a multiple uh, or a general knowledge question to ask, is that person in the office a Christian? They shouldn't need to doubt or wonder they should know. They should be able to see it. And lastly, the life of God in us is precious. It's a precious treasure because it points people to Jesus. And so the, the life of God that's in you should be directing people to Jesus. Let it be like that. We're speaking today on the precious treasures we have. And we said the first precious treasure is the life of God that He has placed within us. The second one. This is a strange one. We have a precious treasure in the form of our trials. Who of you think that your trials are precious? Let's ask it this way. Who of you feel your trials are precious? Boy, when you are going through a trial, the last word you will ever use to describe it is precious. <laughs> Unless you're more spiritual than I am. But I tell you, your trials are precious. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your trials are precious. It's not an easy one for me. And I believe if we can understand this, we'll understand why James wrote, Consider it all joy when you face trials. Your trials are precious. And you might ask yourself today, well, it's certainly not pleasurable, but you say it's precious, and why is my trial precious? You might ask yourself that very question. Peter tells us our trials are precious. Why are our trials precious? Well, because usually after the trials, we, need, we usually know the Lord better. Anybody identify? Now, before the trial, there's minimal trusting, lots of talking. After the trial, there's less talking, more fruit. Our trials are precious because our trials are a refining process in our lives. And it says, it's as gold tested by fire. They use fire to melt gold and get rid of the impurities And our trials are part of the refining process in our lives. Thirdly, our trials make us stronger. I remember one day going through a very difficult season in my life. And I I remember praying and saying to the Lord, if I can get through this, and if you can help me, Lord, to get through this, I'll be able to get through anything. Little did I know what was still coming. Our trials make us stronger. Our trials leave us changed and different. We're just not the same. Our trials are precious because they bring about change in our lives. And oftentimes, our trials are precious because they, they define us. Now let me give you an example. Mr. Mandela goes and spends 27 years in jail in what must have been a tremendous trial for him. But today he is remembered for the battle he went through and the trials he came through. Do you know that the disciples would never have known that Jesus could walk on water or that they could walk on water if they didn't face the trial of the storm? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would never have known that God can come through for you at the last minute, if they hadn't been thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel would never have known that God can do a miracle in a difficult situation if he hadn't been thrown into the lion's den. Our trials are precious. And we've been through trials as a family. Premature death, loss of loved ones. And I want to tell you as I look back, As difficult as those moments were, there's something very precious about them. And I know people, I've been in the ministry for for a long time. I know many people sitting here, and I know many of the trials people have faced. And I want to say to you, don't begin to think your trials are because I've done something wrong, or I brought this on myself. or You know, if there are issues you need to deal with, deal with those things. But at the end of the day, everybody faces trials. And our trials are precious. 
And if, if, we will, if we will see it as that, our trials will have a positive effect in our lives. If we see our trials as trying to destroy us, then they will destroy us. But if we see our trials as something precious, then God can take them and use them. And as a result, we'll end up knowing the Lord better. We'll be refined and the, the rubbish will be removed. We'll be stronger. We'll be changed. And people will be able to say, that man, that woman, they have a testimony. They went through the trial and they passed the test. And so today, as you look back over your lives, and you, you think back of the, the difficult times, the challenges, the, the things you've been through, may this change your mind about those things. And may you see it a little bit differently. Thirdly, the third precious treasure we have is the precious blood of Jesus. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Brother Solly wrote me an email the other day. He said, no one speaks about the blood of Jesus anymore. And nobody does. Because you see, one of the things that happened is, is that because of HIV and AIDS, blood has become to be seen as a dirty thing. You don't touch it. I remember I was running with 30 or 40 staff in my previous job and when the HIV AIDS thing came to the surface, we had professional people come in and, and just speak to us and, and tell us you know, all the different, the different aspects. And they said to us, if, if, one, if somebody gets injured on duty or at work or they cut themselves, they must clean themselves up or you must get professional help. But you must not touch the blood. You must not have any contact with it. Treat it as dirty. And we had to get supplies of rubber gloves and all sorts of things that had to go into our help uh, first aid kits because the blood was seen in this light. And today, because of that, people are reticent to speak about the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you today, the precious blood of Jesus is something very precious. And today people don't even want to use the word blood. You'd hardly ever hear ministers speaking about it. Why is the blood of Jesus precious? Because the blood represents the price that was paid for us. Why is the blood of Jesus pre precious? Because the blood of Jesus has the power to wash away our sin. It is the only substance known to God and man, that has the power to wash away sin. We sing this song, only your blood can wash these stains from my hands. We sing that song. We sing it regularly. Only his blood can wash away the sin. The blood of Jesus is precious because the blood of Jesus was the blood of an innocent man. The blood of Jesus is precious because of the blood and the death of Jesus, we can know life. So that's the third of the precious treasures you have. We said, firstly, we have the precious life of God in us. We have our precious trials. We have the precious blood. The next one, we have our precious Savior. You can read with me in 1 Peter 
chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And then this phrase, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Who of you believe in Jesus Christ today? Then he is precious to you. Therefore, you will not use his name in vain. Therefore, you will not bring shame to his name. You have a precious Savior. Go back two verses. 1 Peter 2 and verse 4. It says, Come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he, Christ, is precious to God who chose him. So Jesus Christ is precious to God, and Jesus Christ is precious to us. We have a precious Savior. And the world is trying to diminish, trying to say that Jesus Christ was just a good man, or he was just a prophet. And they keep trying to reduce it. I was watching a documentary the other day on one of the documentary channels, and they were saying they have found a sepulchre where there are stone sarcophaguses with the name Jesus of Nazareth on the side. And they were saying, so maybe he didn't die after all, maybe he was never resurrected, perhaps he did marry Mary Magdalene, and perhaps his descendants are among us. And I was watching this and I thought to myself, what? I have a precious Savior. He is precious. He's precious to God. He's precious to me. I will not reduce him to a good man or a prophet. He is my precious Savior. And why is your Savior precious? Well, one, because he loves you. Your precious Savior loves you. Two, because he cares for you. Your Savior is precious because he knows your weaknesses and he understands. Your Savior is precious because He tells you that you can approach Him with boldness and confidence. Your Savior is precious because He has paid the price. He has paid the price. And your Savior is precious because you can be His child. Your Savior, we have a precious Savior. That's another precious treasure we have. Point number five, you have a precious faith. Our faith is precious. Look what it says. All these scriptures are from First and Second Peter, all written by the Apostle Peter. Second uh, Peter 1 and verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. And your faith in God, your Christian belief, your faith is precious. It is precious. It is valuable to you. And the fact that you believe in Jesus is a precious treasure. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to think in. Because our faith is precious, we should tell everyone about our precious faith. You have a precious faith. You know, up until recently, I was guided by the Great Commission, which says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It was more a command. And I thought, I must fulfill that command. I must tell people about Jesus Christ because I'm commanded to do so. And that's true. 
But it's much more than that. I must tell people about Jesus Christ because He's precious to me. My faith is precious. It is valuable. Why would I not want them to know about it? Because our faith is precious, we should tell everyone about it. Because our faith is precious, we should protect our faith. You can't live like, like you want. You can't have temper tantrums and throw your weight around and act out of character with the one who is alive within you. You have to be different. We have to protect our faith by, by living right, doing the right thing, endeavoring to stay away from sin. We can't, we can't give in to those things. We've got a faith to protect. Our faith is precious. We've been forgiven. It's precious. We need to protect it. Never take your precious faith for granted. You know, sometimes for people like myself, we're intergenerational Christians. My father and my mother were Christians. My grandparents on both sides were Christians. My mother's parents' parents were Christians. And you know what? You grow up thinking, well, you were born in a garage, so you are a motor car. But it needs to be more than that. We need to embrace it for ourselves. We must not take it for granted. We cannot take our faith for granted. Never be ashamed of your precious faith. Sometimes as Christians, you know, if the Christian topic comes up, we leave the room. We must never be ashamed of our faith in Jesus Christ. Value your faith. Don't devalue your faith. Value it. Understand that somebody died for your faith. Somebody died that you can have clean hands. That generations have gone on before to, to keep the faith. Keep the faith. Value it. Let it be valuable to you. And I, the world is trying to convince us that all roads lead to God. Even some of the religious leaders are standing up and it seems like they tolerate anything. All the roads lead to God. All the roads do not lead to God. Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's what makes your faith so special. There is no alternative. Your faith is precious. Never do anything to devalue it. Share your faith. If you've got something that's precious, share it. Share it with others. Make sure they know about it. And this one... Pass your faith on to the next generation. There's older people in this audience. And I want to tell you, you have a responsibility to pass this faith on to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. Let them know that your faith in Jesus Christ is incredibly precious. When they stand at your grave one day and they look down, they'll be able to say, the faith was precious to that man. I remember standing at my dad's grave, looking down in the horror, and standing there looking down and thinking, he loved God. It was precious. The faith was precious to him. I must fight the good fight and I must keep the faith. Sometimes when that happens, we think, ah, what's all this faith anyway? We must never do that. We must value our faith and we must pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on to your spouse. 
Pass it on. Pass it on to your parents. Pass it on to your relatives. Pass that faith along. It's precious. Don't Bible bash, but pass it on. Let them know this is precious. It's for you as well. We want you to experience. It's so precious. You can't do without it. It's a precious faith. (laughs) This one's touched my heart. Number six, we have the precious promises. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, He has given us His very great and precious promises. If it were not for the promises of God, I don't know how I would have gone through life. I remember wanting to end my life at the age of 19. I was not a happy man. And I could not even read my Bible. But something deep within me said, grab hold of something and hold on to it. And I want to tell you, if you're suffering from depression today, anxiety attacks, um, aggravated discouragement, grab hold of something that you can hold on to. Even if you're facing temptation and weakness and Satan is buffeting you, grab hold of something that you can hold on to. And I grab hold of a a scripture in Psalm 27 which said, I would have despaired had I not known that I would see the goodness of the Lord in this life. And boy, at night I would just say it again, I would have despaired. In other words, I will not despair. Because I know that I will see the goodness of the Lord in this life. And I would hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. And God was able to bring me through that. These precious promises. The promises that God has given us in His Word are precious. They are valuable and have the power to strengthen and encourage us. And the Bible is full of promises. Some I read in one document, they say there's as much as 7,000 promises. I don't know who went and read them and counted them. I wouldn't mind a printout. Here are a few promises. Nothing will ever separate you from His love. He has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. He has promised to provide us with our needs. He has promised to take care of us. And He has promised us eternal life. They are precious promises. Grab hold of the precious promises. Uh, there was a, a dear man in our Bible college, Chris Cronier. You might know him. He was a pastor. And he's still here in the city. And he once said that during certain trials they went through, certain books in the Psalms became especially relevant. And they would hold on to those. And he said, today they remain precious because they've held on to them. And the promises of God give us this confidence. As we begin to close, let me remind you of our precious treasures. One, the precious life of God in us. Our precious trials. I hope that was a revelation for you today. Eh? Because when you go out, maybe you're facing the trial of divorce or marital failure or financial failure. Maybe it'll just encourage you. We have the precious treasure of the precious blood. We have the precious treasure of our precious Savior. We have the precious treasure of our precious faith. We have the precious treasure of our precious promises. And how is this all possible? 
Here's a very interesting scripture I found in the Amplified Bible. It's also from the same book, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. And it's only the first part of the scripture, but it has struck my heart. It says, In your hearts set Christ apart as holy, and acknowledge him as Lord. And you see, if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, then these precious treasures don't mean much. You're not even quite sure what I'm talking about. But you see, for this to be a reality in our lives, we have to settle it once and for all that Jesus Christ is God. You have to get to that point in your, in your thinking and in your heart where you say, in my heart, I set Christ apart as holy. And these programs where they're saying, no, well, maybe he didn't die, maybe he didn't do this. When you entertain that, and everything precious is gone. In your heart, set Christ apart as holy. Decide today that Jesus Christ is God. He is holy. There's nothing more about it. No more discussion. He's my precious Savior. Finished. That's how it is. And then it says, and acknowledge him as Lord. That's personal. That's where you say, you are my Lord. Such an important aspect. Make Jesus Lord of your life. And as we do this, we can take as our own the precious treasure that God has got for each one of us. And I just want to, I want to pray for those today. If today, you know, these precious treasures aren't really precious to you. Maybe your motor car is just more precious. Or your career. Or your health or your looks. I don't know. But I want to tell you today, in our hearts we need to set Christ apart as holy. That's what happens when we are born again. We invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. But you see, sometimes even as Christians, you know, we get that mentality, we were born in a garage, so we are a car. We were born into a Christian family, so we are Christians. That's not true. What makes you a Christian is if in your own heart you set Christ apart as holy and you say, you are, come be the Lord of my life. In that moment, something can happen. Would you bow your heads and let's just pray together. And if... If this is not true for you, or if you've never given your life to God, I want to pray a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. And we want to settle that once and for all, where you say, I declare Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I acknowledge Him today. You can just pray after me, sentence by sentence, in the quietness of your own heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today, and I declare that you are God. You are holy, and today I come to you and say, forgive me. Forgive me for the wrong things I've done. I repent of them, I turn around, I turn my back on them today. And I say, Jesus Christ, would you come and live within me and be the Lord of my life? I open up the door of my heart, I say, come on in. I need you. I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. You are welcome within me and I give 
my life to you today. As I do that, I believe I am born again. And I do it with my whole heart today. Maybe today, life has just worn you down a bit and you're not, it's just not a reality anymore. Well, I want to, I want to ask you to do what the Apostle Peter said, and he said, but in your heart set Christ apart as holy. Just take a moment and just say, God, once again, the world may be trying to tell me otherwise, but I know in my heart that you are my precious Savior, that your precious blood has washed me clean, that I have my precious faith, which I declare that I will share and pass on to others. I hold on to your precious promises today, and Lord, do a miracle in me right now that these precious treasures that you have given will become precious to me. And I ask it now in Jesus' name. I just want to ask, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you ask the Lord Jesus...